0: I want to continue with the series that we, we kicked off uh, from debt, debt to surplus, knowing that it's not simply, hey, get your finances in order, that kind of message, though that would be helpful for many of us. But it's that God wants to be involved in the process and He wants to be the, the one who provides for us and partners together with us. And so He's giving us insight from the scripture on how to allow Him to do that. Uh, as you're turning there to Luke chapter 19, I want to update you on two things. One is in two weeks. Everybody say two weeks. two weeks. In two weeks from now, I'm going to give you an update for our Heart for the Harvest building expansion program. Some of you have been wondering what's going on with that. I haven't talked much about it this year, partially because I've been working with the architect after uh, we we identified what we're really going after. And so we've been getting plans back and forth, and I think we have it dialed in. And so in two weeks, I'm going to present that to you and how we can partner together, what we're going after, what this next phase of the ministry center will look like. And so you'll want to make sure you're here for that. Also, Rock Conference 2017 October 4th through 6th, you want to mark your calendars for this, we have our senior and founding pastors, Pastors Jerry and Kimberly Dearman, will be with us all three days. That's Wednesday night, Thursday, and Friday. If you can get time out of your uh, schedule to be here, especially during the evenings, but during the day as well, you'll be glad you did. We'll give you more information as we get closer. You find Luke chapter 19 yet? Yeah? No? I need to give you more time? Some of you guys are never going to find it? Okay. All right. Hey, there's a college student who left as his voicemail greeting Uh, this here. It says, Hi, this is Steve. If you're the phone company, I already sent the money. If you're my parents, please send money. If you're the financial aid institution, you didn't lend me enough money. If you're my friend, you owe me money. If you're a girl, don't worry, I've got lots of money. (laughs) Hey, we all uh, relate to money and people in different ways. And sometimes We'll, as the same person, will relate to the different people differently uh, based on resources and money. In Luke chapter 19, we see a, a story here about how servants and their master related to the resources the master provided. And so I want to read this to you here and then uh, jump, jump into some things that, are, that really stand out, I should say. Verse 12, Luke chapter 19 says, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive a kingdom receive for himself a kingdom and to return. This is Jesus talking, and he's telling a parable. He's telling a story. So he called 10 of his servants and delivered to them 10 minas and said to them, do business till I come. A mina is not a word we use, but what it basically means is about three months' salary. So according to Keith's earlier explanation of how much you should be making every year per person, $50,000, if we were to break that down over 12 months, that's about three months' worth, which would be what, that would be about $12,000, right? So he gave each of his servants about $12,000 to work with. And he said, do business until I come. Now, we see something about this, this, uh, this master, this nobleman, that he's really, it's a picture of Jesus. That, that's kind of the idea, we get a picture of God. And we see the very first thing is that he's the one who provides, and he willingly does it. And he gives to his servants. They didn't have to beg for it, earn it, work for it all themselves. He just, out of his benevolence, gave to them. This is what God is like. He gives to us and he places things in our hands. And he says, go do something with it, right? Do something awesome. Do business till I come. So he's fully expecting us to use the resources that he's given to us. And then it goes on to say in verse 15, and so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom... He commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. The master, Jesus, expects that we would have increase in our life. This is the picture that he's painting, and he's saying he wants to know how much they've gained by trading. Not how much they've lost, not just how it's going, but he fully anticipated that I put some things into your hand and I want it to increase. I want it to increase in your hands. How many of you believe that about what you have? Like, you want it to increase too, right? I don't want it to decrease. <laughs> Sometimes being a dad, that, you got some kids that can help you with that, right? So that's where we need the help of God to increase. But this is the heart of God. He says, I want to know how much you've gained. Come tell me. Talk to me about it. And then the first came to him saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. And he said to him, Well done, Good servant. Because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. And then the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. I want to pause for a second. There's two guys, and we only hear from three of the servants. There were 10 servants, but we'll only hear from three. The first two pointed, they, they said something that I think is so, so um, good they said, Master, your mina has earned. Your mina has earned. When you recognize that what you have is from the hand of the Lord, then you realize, oh, wait, God's hand has been on this. Everything God touches, there's life in it. Everything God touches, He, he expects to multiply, to grow. And so they're not sitting there saying, Master, I took what you gave me, and this is what I did. But they're saying, God, what you gave me, this is what happened with it. This is what it did. Your mina has produced this much. You see, God's put things in you. We can talk about your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your graces, but even what we're focused on in this series are the resources, the provision. In this situation, it's specifically money. He's saying, your money has grown. When we receive our resources and and money, our paycheck, however you would look at it as this is the Lord, this is from God, then in the same way that whatever God blesses, it's going to be blessed, in the same way that whatever God creates is going to continue procreate, it's going to recreate, it's going to continue to flourish and be fruitful, we should see the same thing with the resources in our hands. If you see them as yours, then there's no guarantee that they're going to reproduce. There's no guarantee that there's life in them. But when you recognize this is the Lord's, then all of a sudden you realize this can't help but to grow. This can't help but to expand. And so this was their perception of the master, by the way. They looked at him and they said, you've put something into my hands here and it really belongs to you and you want me to trade with it? I'm gonna step out in faith and I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna do some things to see it multiply. I'm gonna give it my best shot. And one of them was more successful than the others, but both of them fully expected to do something with what they were given. And they knew that they were going to give account of it, and the master was looking for it to increase and was not interested in taking away from them. He was interested in seeing increase in their life. Case in point, they took what little they had and it multiplied in their hand, and the master said, You were faithful in little things. Let me give you some more. Let me give you some more. You see, this is how God works. If you're faithful in the little he's given you, and you're faithful to the Lord with it, then he says, well, I can entrust you with more of my stuff. I can entrust you with more. If you're not faithful in the little things, you won't be faithful in more. That's why some people don't get promoted, by the way. Some people can be very talented, but they're unfaithful. And so you can't promote them because if they're unfaithful with the little bit they have, they'll be unfaithful with a lot. And that can cause a lot of ruin. It can cause a lot of destruction. Why are you not being promoted you know, in your job? Why are you not being promoted on the team? Why are you not being promoted over here? Well, examine your faithfulness. Do you want to be promoted? Examine your faithfulness. Be faithful over the little bit you've got. Put your whole heart into it. Give it everything you've got. Honor God with it. Be the hardest worker. Be be the best encourager. Be the one who comes along and says, we can do it. Look, it's going to happen. You know, we, we have faith in God. We're going to trust him. When you when you carry that kind of attitude, promotion comes. Promotion comes. Now, this is their perception of God. This is how they, they saw their master, and they fully expected that I can use the things that he's put in my hand. To to increase and and they were anticipating increase and that's why they came and said look look what your, your mina did now the third guy everybody say the third guy, the third, guy. third guy comes and he kind of ruins the story for the rest of the guys they don't even get any, any playtime here but we see this number three the third guy comes and he said master here's your mina which which I have kept a, put away in a handkerchief for I feared you. Because you are an austere man or a severe man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Now, was this master a different master that he's talking to? Because the other guys came up to him and it sounded like they're pretty excited to see him. But why was this third guy coming up to him and he said, I'm afraid of you? Why was he hiding the minor because he he, he didn't want to mess mess things up, and he really felt like the master was someone who would take away from him. In fact, he said that, I knew that you, you do this here. I, I know that you, you collect what you did not deposit. Well, wait a minute. He deposited this in his hands. And you reap what you did not sow. Well, wait a minute. He has seed that the master had sown right there. And even if the master came and asked just for that back, it would have been what he had put in his hands. But you see, he had a perception of the master that caused him to act in a certain way, believe in a certain way, and then speak in a certain way. The title of today's message is Speak to the Mountain. Now, it's the same master, but they had a different view of him. They knew him to be a certain way. Have you ever worked for somebody where some of your coworkers think that guy's a jerk, or he's unfair, or you know he he he's, he doesn't take care of employees? Blah blah blah. You know they complain, and you're thinking, I think he's all right. Like I think he's okay. I think he's pretty fair. I think if you work hard, you do good, and you you know you try to help the company or whatever. That like they, they'll take good care of you. You ever work in a situation like that? What's the, what's the difference? Is it that the boss is different to everybody, or is it that their perception of him is different? Some people will come alongside uh, a, a new employer and they'll flourish. And other people thought, well, well, that guy was a jerk. No, he's not. He, he's great. He resources me, he helps me, and we got a great relationship. What's the difference? Our perspective, how we see them. How do you see God? What's your perception of him? How do you see him? Because sometimes some people will see God as loving and gracious and compassionate and and one who who, uh, wipes our slate clean and gives us a fresh start and is for us. And when we fall down, he picks us up and, and he's always there. And someone else will see God as ready to judge, ready to criticize, harsh, far away, distant, mad, angry. How do you see God? You know what? Regardless of how you see him, it doesn't change who he is, because he is who he is. But how you see him is how you'll relate to him. And and you'll, you'll believe certain things about him, whether they're true or not. And then you'll start to say certain things about him, whether it's accurate or not. And then you'll experience things in your life whether that's what he wanted for you or not, because of your perception. Sometimes our perception of our heavenly father is shaped by our earthly father. If dad was distant, God is distant. If dad didn't care too much, he's probably not too interested. If dad is loving and, and, and always there and understanding, Father God is there and we'll talk to him, we'll run to him. The good thing, though, about about God is you can actually find out who He is and what He's really like, and sometimes you'll see He's not like what you thought, and the ways that you thought about Him that aren't accurate when you read in here, He'll help you shake that stuff off, because His desire is to reveal to you who He really is, not who He isn't. But what do you believe about God? What do you perceive about God? I'll help you to know the answer to that look in your Bible, what do you have underlined and highlighted in little notes? Do you highlight all the scriptures about the coming judgments? Do you highlight all the scriptures about you better obey or else? Do you highlight all these scriptures from the Old Testament about God wiping out people because of this or that? Or are you highlighting the scriptures about the compassion, the mercy, the forgiveness, the fresh start, the redemption that we have in Jesus? Are you highlighting the scriptures about the provision of God, the love of God? What stands out to you? You know, it's all in there, but it doesn't all weigh equally. There are some things on this side of the cross that are supposed to mean more to us than what was on the other side of the cross. Did you know that? What God has done through Jesus, that's supposed to weigh more heavily in our heart and the way we relate to him than maybe some things prior to that. It's the same God, but he's revealing himself through his word and trying to give us a good picture of him. So how do you perceive God? You might say, well, I don't have anything highlighted or underlined in my Bible. Well, that might show how you relate to the Lord as well, but that would be a message down the road. (laughs) Now, let's go back to the story here, because he said, I feared you because you take what doesn't belong to you. And um, verse 22, the master said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you. Out of your own mouth, you're going to get the results in your life. Which is really what I want to get to here because we're talking about speaking to the mountain. And last week, we talked about how the words that we speak, uh, they affect our lives. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. You bring forth good things through the words you speak. He said, an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. And then he goes on to say, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. You see, there's something about the words we speak. And God says, that's what you're going to get. And so choose life, choose blessing, choose the good stuff, and and come into agreement with that because that will shape the results, your experience. That will shape your future. If you don't believe me, I'll tell you what, on the way home, try cussing out the driver, right? That's going to affect the ride home. In fact, it might affect your walk home, right? (laughs) You think words don't matter? You better believe they do. They, they impact our experience, and it's very true in the things with, in our relationship with God as well. We've got to find out who God is so that we can be convinced of that in our heart. We perceive Him that way, and then we come into agreement and speak those things to Him in our life. We, come, we, we, we bring forth life with our words. How do we perceive God? Let me help you with that. I want to share some scriptures with you, uh, and then I'm going to talk to you about how do you pull that together with the words that you speak. Um, Some of the things that we need to know about God. God wants blessing for you and not cursing. Some people don't believe that. Some people think that God hates fill in the blank. Some people think that God's against them. But I'll tell you this, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, it tells us, no, 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 God's not out to curse you. He's out to bless you. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. All the, the negative consequences of, of not fulfilling the law of God, Jesus said, I'll take those consequences on myself. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He did this, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, those who were outside of the Jewish faith and you national, know, identity. He said that, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon them, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessing of God is what God wants for you, not the curse. In fact, when you go in, go in and you read about the blessing that God said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And, and the blessing was being righteous with God not by your own deeds. It's just believing God, receiving what he's done. But then he goes on and talks about the blessings that sometimes and oftentimes you'll see attach themselves to the blessing. And you see that, the provision and so forth. Like in Deuteronomy 28, it says, it says this in verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you and in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. This is what God is saying. I'm gonna bless your storehouses. What's your storehouses? Man, that's your cabinets. That's your bank account. That's your safe. That's your pole barn. That's your garage. You know, that's your retirement accounts. That's your closets. That's your pantry. Where you store your stuff, God says, I'll command blessing on them. And everything you put your hand to, you got a job, you're working, you're being active, God says, I'll bless that too. And in the land that I'm giving you, God has a place for you God has a property for you he has a place where you can worship the Lord your God verse 11 says the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you the Lord will give you uh, will open to you his good treasure the heavens to give you Give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Look at what God is saying towards his people and his favor towards them. This is some of, these are very few, but some of the blessing that God intends towards you. God wants to open the heavens above you. In Malachi 3.10, he says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. God wants to open for me the windows of heaven and pour out for me such blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. This is not what I said. You said, no, you just said that. No, I know I said it, but I didn't, I didn't say it, say it. like I didn't make it up. This isn't somebody trying to make it up. This is what God said. And this is why I talk about perception, because some people say God doesn't want to bless you. But then we read the Bible and we find out it's all over the place that God wants to be the one. And he's saying, just try me. Try me in this. He'll open the heavens. God says, if you are and in Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. God wants you to eat the good of the land. I, I think the King James Version speaks to the Dad Bod, and that's what they should call it the Dad Bod version, because it says you'll eat the fat of the land. And I think the fat of the land. It's what I'm going to do after church today, right, babe? If you're willing and obedient. Now, here's the deal. Some of us would say, that sounds great, but I struggle with two parts of that verse, the willingness and the obedience part, right? Like, if God could help me with that, then we'd get to that good of the land part. And by the way, God wants the good of the land. And did you know God will help you with those two parts? In Philippians 2.13, it says, for God, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Wait a minute. You mean I don't have to do it all on my own? No, no, no. God said, you can't do this on your own, and that's pretty obvious. Let me help you. And he works inside of us to be willing and obedient for his good pleasure. God gives us guidance. Do you see this about God, that he's one who gives you guidance and wisdom? In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says... Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He'll tell you what you need to do. God is not trying to leave you lost and confused and not knowing what to do. If you trust in him and you lean on him and you expect him to direct you, he will. How do you perceive God? God tells us that our words have great power. We're to speak to the mountains in our life. When we have faith in God, in fact, Mark eleven twenty two says, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. God is not wanting these obstacles that are so big to stand in our way. He's saying, no, believe me, trust me, and do what I say, and then you say it. And it'll change, it'll turn. God has provided for you everything that you need ahead of time. Matthew 6 8, Jesus said, He said, Your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. Did you know when you bring a prayer request to God and you ask Him for something, that's not the first time He ever heard of it? He's like, I had no, if you would have told me earlier, you wouldn't be in this situation. God knows what you have need of before you ask, and he's provided everything that you have need of. It's stored up for you. In fact, there's a scripture in uh, 1 Chronicles 29 where where David and the children of Israel are bringing their offerings to the Lord, and they recognize this. He said, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given to you. So he's saying, okay, I'm I'm bringing this offering, and in some sense, it's like, yeah, I'm bringing an offering to you, but the reality is, God, this came from you, and he recognized this about God. He said, God, everything I have was provided by you in the first place, and by the way, if you have enough to be where you're at, that's because God provided it. And if you're going to go down the road somewhere, guess what? God will provide that too, and he'll be the one that, that gets you there. So he goes on in verse 16, and he says, "O oh Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. <laughs> Everything we have. We can't pat ourselves on the back and say, look what I did. I, I earned this, I built this, and now, God, I'm giving it to you. You know, congratulations to me. Put my name on the placard. What he's really saying is, God, everything that we have, it just came from you in the first place. But understand this, God has already, he already has everything you need prepared for you. And oftentimes through the scripture, we see examples of God sending forth his angels to even bring that to pass. Psalm 103 20 says, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. What do they do? They heed the voice of his word. By the way, it doesn't have to come only from his mouth because we have the authority to speak God's word. And that's why I'm talking to you about find out what God says about something, come into agreement with it with your words, and then align your actions with your faith filled words. That's how we get things down. That's how we, we, we make things happen. It's how we speak to the mountain. God is faithful to his promises. So, uh, 2 Corinthians one twenty says, "For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, Amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God, not some, but they find their for they find their fulfillment in Jesus. Yes, and Amen. The, to the glory of God through us. If I leman." Verses 4 through 6, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. And as I'm sharing what God has done and sharing the testimony, it's even, it, it, it almost supercharges it on the inside there, and it makes it more effective as I just give God the praise and thanks. So what do we do with this, though? So we take these scriptures, and we've got to let the scripture get in the inside of our heart so that we perceive God this way. So when we perceive God this way, we start to expect to relate to him in a certain way, which means that we start to act in a certain way, which overflows out of our mouth, and we speak in a certain way, so that when we relate to God, he says, out of your own mouth, I judge you. I judge you faithful. I judge that those promises will come to pass. I judge that i 'll show myself strong. I judge blessing will come your way. How do we practice that? Well, this is what we do I, I I said you take the scriptures, you align your words with them, and you you then align your your actions with your words and so i want to I want to show you how we can do that with what we just read and so i've taken all those scriptures we've taken those scriptures there and uh personalized it. So now it's not just what the scripture says, but what it is saying to me. And I want to walk you through this from the scripture because you can apply this to any area of your life. And if you're dealing with a financial situation, definitely apply it there as well. And some of you guys, just to save you from the need of trying to write this down or take pictures or anything, I'm going to send this out on our eblast, blast And uh, I think we're put posting it on Facebook as well. But I want you to read this out loud with me. And then I'm going to tell you what scriptures they come from. Actually, you find it with your own scriptures. Hopefully, you wrote it down. Um, But let's read this out loud, and let's say it out loud together. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon me. Therefore, because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm redeemed from curses of poverty, lack, begging, and debt. I'm a recipient of the blessings of supernatural provision, surplus, giving, and lending. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. God's blessing will allow me to be the lender and not the borrower. I will be blessed coming and going. Because I bring all of my tithe into God's house so that his house will be supplied God opens the very windows of heaven over me and my house, and he pours out blessing on me so that I won't even have room to receive it all. God also rebukes the devourer for my sake so that I will not continue to be stolen from, deprived, or held back. I am now walking under an open heaven of financial blessing, favor, promotion, and protection. Because I am willing and obedient, I will enjoy the good things of the land. God is working inside of me to help me want to do the right things and to help me do them. Therefore, He will withhold no good thing from me. Because I refuse to lean on my own understanding but constantly ask God for His guidance, He directs my path, and therefore everything I put my hand to will prosper." So I speak to every financial mountain that stands against me and say, mountain of debt, lack, limitation, etc." I command you to be removed in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave and to not return to my life. I declare that you will soon be completely gone and I will share this testimony with people and give Jesus the glory. Now I call forth God's abundant provision for my life. Provision to eliminate every debt and deficiency and to cause surplus and overflow because I'm declaring the word of God. Angels are already on the move to make sure that God's promises come to pass for me. Now, Lord, because your word is truth and because you are faithful to your promises, I believe that I receive everything that I'm praying for and declaring. And I not only give you thanks and praise right now, For these forthcoming blessings, but I will continue to give you thanks and praise and to share this testimony with others as it unfolds piece by piece and layer by layer. I believe that my financial status is forever changed in Jesus' name. Do you receive that and agree? Amen. That is how you practice speaking to the mountain. You find out what does the word say, and you bring your words into alignment, and you speak those things out till it becomes solid in the heart. You align your actions with your words of faith, and you get before God. And you say, God, this this right here, this is who you are, and I expect this to come to pass in my life. And Lord, these are the results that I'm looking for, your kind of results. I want the best. And when we blow it and we mess up, guess what? Because we do. We do. And the Bible's made provision for that already. He says, if anyone sins, let him confess the sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you mess up, you just come to the Lord and say, oh, God, I'm, I'm that other scripture too, I believe that about you. You're faithful and just, right? And we just get back up and we keep pressing on and we keep believing God. And we keep standing in faith. And so you might only have one minor and it turns into one and a half. And you say, well, God, here it is. Help me be better. Help me to, to multiply that more. He says, all right, I'll gladly help you because I'm looking to see gain in your life. The Lord wants to increase in your life. Our job, speak to that mountain. Amen.